So for term one, term four last year, we looked at this thing called Power Parable. So if you go on Spotify, if you go on to Apple Podcasts, you'll find term four, we're looking at Power Parables. We're looking at the fact when Jesus taught, he often shared stories, which we call parables. And so we've been looking at a whole heap last term, and we're going to look at some more this term, learning about the stories of Jesus. And it's really important when we read these parables that we ask this question, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to say to me in this parable? What was the, the truth that Jesus is trying to tell in these stories that we can understand the concepts of the kingdom of God and, and all those things? So it's really important when, before we read. So if you're on a physical Bible, we're going to go to the book of Luke chapter 12. What chapter? 12. Luke, the book of Luke chapter 12 and the parable itself is going to be verse 16 to 21, which is... Like, it's touch screen. It's not really... No, no, back, 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 back. Sorry, Chloe, you want... Yeah, it's, that's, it's not there. It should be like a title one that says... Oh, this one. Yeah, here we go. Power parables. This week we're looking at the rich fool. That's the parable that we're looking at today. The rich fool, which is very exciting. And then now the next image, we're going to have an image here now. I want you to, if you know what this is, don't call it out. But I'll, hopefully we can just put your hand up if you know what this image is here. Can I have a raise of hand if you know what that is confidently, if you know what this image is. All right, the next clue... Does that bring any bells to anybody? Does anyone know what that image is now? One more clue. If you don't know what that is, we've got to get you watching some movies. But I grew up watching Home Alone. Does anyone ever know Home Alone, right? Now, I'm an Australian who's grown up in Australia, and I had some clear conflicts with this movie. First of all, I've never had an attic in my house, and I've never had a basement in my house. Has anyone here had an attic or a basement in their house? No, I didn't. So I used to watch Home Alone, but like, I used to dream about being home alone. I used to dream about being abandoned by my family on holiday. But the issue was, I never had stairs that I could create booby traps to knock the criminals over. No, that was, that was my biggest fear going, this is so unfair, because if they were to come and rob my house, how am I going to set a booby trap to knock them down the, ch- the stairs? But all of that to get to this, I heard a story one time. And it reminded me of the story of the rich fool and what we're going to find out in a moment. And I will, I'll read it as the story goes. It says, um, the story's called Getting Money to Heaven. So it says this, a stingy old lawyer, does anyone know what a lawyer is? A stingy old lawyer had been diagnosed with a terminal illness. So basically he's about to die. And was de- uh, determined to prove uh, people wrong. And he was saying, because they would always say to him, you can't take... Um, your money with you, and he wanted to prove them wrong. So continuing on, it says, After much thought and consideration, the old um, uh, he, the guy finally figured out that how to take at least some of his money with him when he died. So he instructed his wife to go to the bank and withdraw enough money to fill two pillowcases. And I'm assuming he used like $100 notes, not $5 notes, but these, money, these pillowcases were full of cash. And then he directed her to take the bags of money to the attic and leave them directly above his bed. His plan was when he passed away, he would reach out and grab the bags of money on his way to heaven. Then several weeks later after the funeral, uh, the, the deceased lawyer's wife went up in the attic cleaning up and came upon the two forgotten pillowcases stuffed with cash. Oh, the darn fool, she exclaimed. I knew he should have put the money in the basement. 
So the story was, she was saying that he, went, he didn't go to heaven, he was going downward, so he should have put the money there. Pretty dark story. But it's interesting though, nonetheless, this story for me just reminds me of the parable of the rich fool, which is found, as we said, in Luke 12, 13 to 21. And so before we read this, I'm just going to pray and we're going to ask Holy Spirit to speak to us. So Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you want to speak to us tonight that you'll give us the truths of this Bible verse, that they, these, these few scriptures that we read tonight, that we would understand what you're trying to say to us. So open up our spiritual senses to be able to hear from you clearly tonight, that we can leave tonight knowing you in a deeper way, Jesus, and understanding what our purpose in life is. Amen. So it says this, starting in verse 13. Then someone called out from the crowd, Teacher, so this random is talking to Jesus, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. So, so basically what happens is in, in the Old Testament in these times uh, before Jesus and then when Jesus came around is that if you died, you would give um, a double portion of your inheritance to your oldest son because his job was then to look after like your, your, then your wife. So if I died, my wife, my oldest son would look after myself, my wife. And so he would get a double portion of my inheritance to be able to care and look after the whole family. That was their job and responsibility. So he's got this young guy here going, this is unfair. My, my father's died. My brother's just taken everything and hasn't given me my, my little portion of what's left. So we continue reading on. Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such... Uh, oh, I can read from here. Such things as that. Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Verse 14 to 16, now 16. Then he told them a story. A rich man, this is a parable, had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have enough room for all my crops. Then he said, I know I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all of my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend... You have stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Happy Christmas. But God said to him, You fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. I'm going to pray one more time, and we're just going to ask Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for that. this, 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 uh, this story from Jesus. May it come alive to us. May we understand it fully and, and truly that it would change the way we see, the way we perceive, and the way our heart is postured. In Jesus' name, again, I pray. Amen. So we see in this story, this guy comes to Jesus and his desires are consumed by the here and now. He's like, this is unfair. My brother has all the inheritance. I want my share. I want my cup. Pay up. He's, he's thinking, I want justice. I want fairness. But then Jesus is like, sees through it all and goes, no, no, I can actually see greediness in your heart. I actually see there's a stinginess. There's a selfishness in your heart. You're consumed by the here and now. But Jesus is saying, you've got to understand, our life isn't measured by the here and now. Our life, is, our life is not measured by what we own. Our life is measured by what happens when we die. And so Jesus goes pretty dark, pretty quick. And so he shares a story. And so it's interesting. So um, if you think your life's value or worth is measured by what we've accumulated, that's such a shallow, such an empty way of valuing life. 
we measure our life by far deeper things than by the accumulation of everything that's under our name. So we've got to shift our heart alignment. We've got to uh, shift our perspective from the here and now to the eternal. That's what Jesus is saying to us. It's time for us to get our heart and our eyes and our mind off of all of this stuff now and go, we actually got to get a bigger picture and go, what happens after this life? That is what really matters. And so then Jesus tells this story of a successful businessman uh, who knew how to make a profit. This guy was wealthy, rich, loaded. He was very blessed. And what would you do? And so this is a question I like reading that. So what would I do if I was in that rich man's position? What would I do if I had a business and it was just booming? Because he goes, well, I've just had the best year financially. My barns are already filled with crops. I know what I'll do. I'll just build a bigger barn and fill it even more. Then, so that's the conclusion that this guy came to. And so we can look at it for our sake. Okay, well, I made all this money at work this year. I can buy a brand new car. I can buy a second car. So what do we, what would we do? All right, well, my garage, my, my, car, my car park, whatever you want to call it, your, uh, is no longer big enough for one. I'll build a big one and I can fit two cars in it. We go, oh, Bella goes, I got a pair of Crocs. I got this job. I got so much money. I'll buy a second pair of Crocs. And what do we do? Rather than have a wardrobe with Crocs in it, we get a whole bedroom for all our Crocs, right? Um, I was thinking about cars. Who's seen that Jeep ad and it's like... Um, we're going to need a bigger boat. So you might get all this money, you buy yourself a Jeep, but now because you've got the Jeep, you've got to get yourself a bigger boat because the Jeep tows a bigger boat. We get into this position where we can accumulate. Well, what happens once we've got X? We always want Y. We want to continue to perpetually increase our wealth, which there's nothing in itself wrong with wealth and accumulation, but that is not what we measure success by spiritually. When it comes to earth, we can go, wow, look at that house that person owns. They are loaded. Wow, look at this person's life. How awesome is that? But Jesus is saying to us, there's more to success than what we've accumulated on this planet. And so you read through the book of Proverbs and you see many themes. The major theme I'd say in the book of Proverbs is either you're a fool or you're wise. They're the opposites. You're either in wisdom or you're a fool. And so it talks about stuff like this, this diligent dude who had a a flourishing farm, garden, whatever you want to describe it as. In Proverbs, it talks about work hard and you'll get a good crop. And so this guy has wisdom in that area. But unfortunately, the Proverbs has this major theme that says um, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So he might have had all this practical earthly wisdom, but he missed the main part of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of Wisdom, And so we've got to understand there's so much more to all these details than that. We've got to get the fear of the Lord and go, God, we understand that you're real. We understand your realities. And so, uh, yeah, so according to the, the world standards, Jesus is saying this guy had the ultimate success. But he reminded the people around him that etern- without thinking about eternally, all of our stuff right now is meaningless. Which reminds me of something, a conversation that Jesus has in John 14. And in... Um, he's talking to his disciples about he's about to leave earth. And so it's a pretty crazy story because they don't even understand what he's talking about. So in verse uh, 2, it says, There is more than enough room in my father's home. So Jesus is talking about heaven here and the disciples don't realise that. There's more than enough room in heaven. Um, if it was not so, would have I told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? So we right now have to have this conviction, we believe the Bible, that Jesus is preparing me a place in heaven, which is awesome. I, I, he's getting 
the, the best bathroom looking with showers and all. Like I see all these cool things, like that's a cool shower, better. He's got the best shower for me in heaven. Everything elaborate, God's building it. So then it says, um, when everything is ready, I'll come and get you so that you will always be uh, with me where I am and you know the way to where I'm going. I love verse 4. And you know the way to where I'm going. Verse 5, Thomas says, no, we don't know, Lord. I love it. This is just, for me, it's comedy. We don't know, and it's, we have no idea where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I just love that, that paradigm because Thomas is like, so Jesus is saying, yeah, you know how to get there. Thomas is like, what are you talking about? We've got no map to where you're going. You're telling us you're just leaving. And then, because then when we continue reading through the story, what happens? Jesus literally levitates up into heaven after his death and resurrection. And so Thomas is like, what? I don't know the way of levitation up to just like, yeah, start floating up. But Jesus says, no, no, no. It's not a, a roadmap. My life is the way. My life. So Jesus completely breaks all of our paradigms. It's not this or that. It's a, he is the way to heaven, right? And so it's interesting. Who's learned about Egypt at school? Anyone learned about Egypt? Hieroglyphics. And so, and mummies. Has anyone heard about mummies? And what's interesting, they do all these weird rituals, like they pull the brain out the nose. Who's heard this stuff? Brain out the nose, embalm them. But what are they doing? They're preparing these mummies for the afterlife. No one learned that? They, okay. You should have had a fun education. When I went through school, I learned about the, the afterlife of the Egyptians and everything. They did all these crazy rituals, but they were preparing these pharaohs for the afterlife, right? Then has anyone heard of reincarnation? Anyone heard of that? So these are what, what ways of thinking in our world. So people think the way we live today will affect what happens in the afterlife. What, and, so, and now I don't believe in the, the pharaoh afterlife. I don't believe in reincarnation afterlife. But those two weird ways of thinking still have the same truth. They did things in the life today to affect the life tomorrow. But that truth is still found in Scripture. I don't believe in reincarnation and I don't believe in some weird uh, pharaoh mummy afterlife. But there is a life far greater than the life that we are living now, which Jesus is talking about. And it's interesting, right? I don't want to be morbid, but the, there's people, I'll go to funerals often of non-Christians or non-believers and they'll say comments like, they're in a better place. And I'm like, and it's interesting because people going, they, they might not believe in God right now, but then they still believe there's more to life than what we're experiencing. And it takes them to be at a funeral to say, oh, they're in a better place. Or, um, but it's interesting because when we read scripture, we understand if we don't know Jesus, because Jesus is the way, they're not in a better place, which so deeply saddens me. That's why as believers, it's not the kind of thing to keep our faith hidden because we've got to go, no, there is one way. Jesus is the way to eternity. And it's interesting, right? Because we can often, people often say this, well, I'm a good person. God's going to love me. I'm a good person. I'm a nice person. Has anyone heard that? Surely, surely I'll go to heaven because I'm a nice person. Then I've got some scriptures that hopefully freak out the hippogibbities out of us. Well, that is bad thinking, right? So what's another way of saying I'm a good person? A Bible word for saying that I'm a good person is called righteousness. So the Bible talks a lot about this word righteousness, which basically says if you're righteous, you are a good person. So of course God will let me to heaven. I'm a good person. I'm righteous, right? And so this is what it says in Isaiah chapter 64, 
verse 6 in that New Living Translation, we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Ooh. In the ESV, it says it like this. All of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Now, Bella, what's a garment? That's clothing, right? So they're saying our goodness, say if they say, Josh, oh, he's such a good person. This is saying my goodness is a polluted garment. Now, or filthy rags. Now, use your imagination, right? I'm thinking, so we want to, you go to a wedding and you see a bride in a beautiful white gown. So we, when we say these comments like, I'm a good person, God will let me into heaven. We, we are assuming that we look like this stunning bride on her wedding day. But Jesus is saying, no, you, you're, what you think is a beautiful wedding dress on a bride on her wedding day is actually a soiled nappy on a child. That's what this means by a polluted garment. Think soiled nappy. Think a feel like that is the, the degree of what. So Jesus is saying, like the Bible here says that our righteousness, what we do on our, our own goodness in the eyes of God is disgusting, dirty nappy. It's not beautiful, holy bride. Now we go to the next verse, right? Colossians 3, this is in the New Testament. These are the rules of our world about being righteous in our own strength. It says, we have rules like don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Such rules are merely human teachings. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial and severe bodily discipline. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. So we can read this and Paul was telling the church in Colossae is that your, your goodness won't cut it. Your holiness won't cut it. We need a transformation, and that is why we need Jesus. His death and resurrection prove to us that He is the way that then we go through the great exchange in life where we move from going, it's not my holiness. So then when I go into judgment day, when I meet the Father, if I make the exchange of Jesus, He no longer sees my soiled nappy. Jesus has taken that, and now I'm wearing the proverbial beautiful uh, wedding dress of the bride he goes wow that is holy that is pure because he's seeing Jesus he's not seeing me so we don't get to heaven by our own works it's disgusting in the eyes of God we get to heaven because we've traded place with Jesus and Jesus says you know what I've lived the holy life I've lived the righteous life and I am the way to heaven so we need to have a fixed understanding that when I die in this life well all that matters is did I have the rich relationship with God by saying, Jesus, I'm dying to my old life and I'm committing to live with you. Uh, what's our next verse there? And so this is what it says in Isaiah 55, 6. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's as simple as that. That's the major understanding that when we read this parable about the rich Full is that he thought he had success, but he missed the picture. Because that very night he died with the bigger barns, with the fuller crops. And he goes, wow, look how successful. No, you're not a success. You missed the point of life. The point of life is knowing Jesus and spending eternity with the Father. And so for us today, I don't know where we will sit. If I, don't, if, I want to encourage you to close your eyes, as all of us will close our eyes in this place. But I want you to consider that going, well, where do I sit? Where, do I know Jesus? 
Because I would encourage all of us to go on a journey of knowing Jesus for real. To go, you know what? I don't want to go through life, and there's nothing wrong with accumulating wealth. There's nothing wrong with uh, having a prosperous business. But the issue is, there's no point prospering that when it all is said and done, you didn't know Jesus. And so, if you want to know Jesus for real, if you want to go, you know what? I want to commit. I want to have that exchange because, as we saw in Isaiah, today is the day where we call on Him. It, we, don't, we don't have to wait till then. We can go today go, today is a day that I call on the name of the Lord because I want to be saved and I want to make that exchange where Jesus can take my dirty nappy and exchange it for something beautiful. And if that's you, you go, that's me tonight. I want to commit to knowing Jesus. Why don't you just raise your hand and I want to pray with you. Yeah, I see that hand. I see that. And so what we're going to do is, we, if we want to open our eyes, we're going to pray this prayer on the screen together. And this is a simple prayer that we can go, it starts a journey in our life where we go, you know what, Jesus, I'm inviting you into my life. I'm inviting you to go, myself to go on a journey where I don't just go through life going, how awesome is this? But I go, you know what, the awesomeness is knowing Jesus. So let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God who died on the cross and rose again to forgive my sins. I ask that you forgive me. I give you my life and invite you to be my Lord and Saviour. Today, I am born again. I trust my future into your hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.